Welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Ashley Klein of Akala. So welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much, Allison. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So hi, everybody. My name is Ashley. I am the owner and sole entrepreneur behind Akala, which is a sustainable women's fashion brand we manufacture in Los Angeles. And the mission of the brand is to provide sustainable clothing really designed for any season in life and offer accessibility through size inclusivity and the versatility in the designs that we create. Um, so there's a lot there that I want to ask you about, but <laughs> let's kind of start at the beginning. Like, how did you get started in the fashion industry? Like, do you have a background in fashion um, before you started Akala? Yeah. So a long time ago, um, I won't say how long, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess not terribly long. I went to school for fashion design. I went to both Purdue and the Fashion Institute of Technology um, right out of college, I interned um, in a, the ready-to-wear industry at Cynthia Rally in New York. Um, I then pivoted and worked in design across bridal. Um, I also segued into e-commerce. Uh, we can dive into all these a little bit more too, but over the course yeah. of the last decade, I've been involved um, in a range of arms of the industry, so to say within fashion, whether it be styling, design, um, e-commerce, retail management, and now I'm in advertising. Wow. So yeah, what with all that made you want to start your own brand? That's a great question. Uh, It's something that has been in the back of my mind for, I mean, that's why I went to school for it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I'd say the mission behind the brand is what has evolved the most, but I always knew that I wanted to create my own brand. About three years ago, or no, four, I'm losing track of time. In 2017, um, I started researching the Los Angeles manufacturing scene just to kind of like gauge what the conditions were like down there, um, what services were available, how much it would cost, things like that. And then in 2018, I really started getting into sustainable fashion specifically. And as a consumer trying to shop sustainably, Uh, I used to be very petite. Now I'm pregnant, so (laughs) I'm not petite anymore, but going to stores and finding a size range outside of like maybe four or five sizes that were offered was really difficult. Uh, that, and it felt like at the time, and even now at times today that the sustainable product offerings were either too, too trendy or very few. So you, you couldn't, go all out and (laughs) purchase everything sustainably. So this is kind of what formed um, my mission behind the brand when I set out to start it actually in 2019. Uh, Long story short, with all the delays that we've all experienced in the last year, um, we didn't launch until November, but I'm really excited to have it off the ground. Cool. So I definitely want to dive in more to what the journey was like starting the brand. So, I mean, you mentioned it was kind of several years in the works. Um, Did you start with kind of your designs in mind and then started kind of like looking for factories or it almost sounds like you maybe did the opposite. You kind of worked 
worked backwards and it's like, what can I do? What, what resources are available? And then kind of the brand grew out of those constraints. Is that how it went? Yeah, I, I'd say it's a mix of both. I knew I wanted the pieces to be timeless and not so much reliant on trends. Like you need to have a puff sleeve this season and a ruffle this season. I knew I wanted them to be wardrobe staples. But as far as how to approach design from the get-go, it really took understanding what the landscape looked like for a startup designer and figuring out which manufacturers will work with lower minimums. Um, also doing my research online and I was able to go to a trade show in person before lockdown um, nice. or quarantine, whatever you call it, <laughs> um, to be able to scope out vendors that work with lower minimums. And designs did have to change a little bit because only certain fabrications were available and minimums that I could order. So it was definitely trial and error. Um, but overall, I, I think the approach remained the same as far as wanting to provide clothes that were timeless, but also workable for a variety of sizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's so smart to kind of like look at the landscape of what what was available in terms of minimums and factories that would work with a small brand like before. Cause I think a lot of designers starting out, they have these grand ideas, which is why they're designers, <laughs> you know? And then like they get maybe a little disappointed when it's like, oh, well, this is like way more expensive than I thought it was gonna be. Like, can I really turn, like make this a business that makes money? Oh, yeah. And so it's like that balance of like design and practicality for the business. Um, oh, I'm not gonna lie. I totally had rose colored glasses on at the beginning. I was, well, and I, I think you still need that to a degree to believe in the product in the mm -hmm. mission mm -hmm. um, that you're starting out on. But yeah, I thought it was gonna be so much easier. I, I don't wanna tell you how many hours I spent on Google or emails that I've sent. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it definitely was a reality check to figure out what is exactly available. And there's tons of options out there. I don't want to make it sound like there's a very narrow sustainable um, supply chain. However, those that work with smaller minimums, it is a little bit more That's difficult. That's the more of the constraint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I totally understand that. Most of the brands I work with are more in the you know small batch, low minimum space. And so it can be tricky. So I'm curious, like, since you do have a background in fashion, what skills from that work experience, like, helped you in your endeavor starting Akala? And maybe, you know, you mentioned you had rose-colored glasses still. Um, maybe what things were you expecting to be easier since you had that background and maybe weren't? Ooh, that's a good question. This is very layered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been able to kind of morph my career around topics that interest me and that I knew I wanted to pick up to become an expert in to apply to my own business. Um, I was able to start out in design, pivot to retail e-commerce. I've done styling. I've worked with marketing. Um, I've now worked with very large corporations at my day job at the national level, understanding operations and the supply chain, and now I'm in advertising. Um, so all of those components have really helped to just kind of show opportunities. Um, I might need to walk that back a little bit, sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, I kind of asked 
several questions <laughs> in one. <laughs> I know I'm like thinking of all the things in my head at the same time. Um, it just helps to have that experience to draw from in moments where kind of the, all the things are happening at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. That to say, I know I'm, I, there's definitely more to learn and it's been a process for sure. The last year has been really challenging. Um, and I don't know if without that experience, I would have made it through 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Some things, I, I believe one other part of the question was something that I expected to be easy and then wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, product development, probably. Uh, but to be honest, it's so hard to say with all that happened in 2020, because we ended up Unfortunately, we had to move manufacturers, uh, things shut down for a few months. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of became a little chaotic. Um, now that we're in our second season, we're working with a manufacturer now and the process has been really smooth and seamless. Um, but I remember when we first were starting last year, um, it ended up being more challenging than I expected. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, last year, it's like a whole nother set of challenges that, you know, outside of a pandemic, maybe, you know, small businesses wouldn't have to face quite as much. So yeah, with product development, like, what about that? Like, was it just the challenges of like finding the right manufacturer and then navigating the lockdowns? Or um, was there other parts of the process that were, were a challenge? Well, yeah. Um, so we were able to fortunately fit on a fit model prior to everything shutting down. Um, so that was beneficial. Now everything's mm-hmm. virtual. So that's been unique. Um, but we were able to get that done. I'd say the biggest challenge was when we had to shift manufacturers. Um, and if there are any listeners out there that are going to start a brand, I'd highly recommend staying with the same place if you can from product mm-hmm. development through production. Uh, it just created such, I thought it was going to be easy. We had all the graded patterns, you know, um, but things get lost in communication. They're picking up where someone else left off. Uh, delays happen because they're trying to figure out different components of your design. Um, and it, it was able to work out eventually. And we did get the product, fortunately, um, in November but it was quite the process. <laughs> yeah, onboarding a factory is not the easiest thing. Like it definitely takes some rounds of, you know, pre-production samples, making sure they're understanding, you know, even if you send them all the details, you know, tech pack, graded patterns. Yeah, so by yeah. sample, like there's still some kind of back and forth as they're getting like everything set up for their workflow and sewers and just the skill set that they have at the factory. and. Yeah, Yeah, that and I think there were just so many unique challenges within the last year. Um, Even after Mm -hmm. we moved, there would be, just because we manufacture in Los Angeles, um, there would be at some weeks they'd have a new mandate where capacity needed to be down to 25%. Um, And so then it's shifting on who's working on what. And it was a lot to really be patient and understanding through. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a challenging process. Well, I'm glad it all came together, even if it was later (laughs) than you expected. So what were some of the values and things you mentioned, some of them that were important to you when kind of starting your brand and, and why were they important? 
Yeah. So primarily, I mean, obviously sustainability, just Mm -hmm. really going at it from all angles, um, not just looking at one component of the business and making it sustainable. Um, I really wanted to be true to that value core um, and apply it to as many things as possible as a startup brand. So in sourcing, that went to the level of, um, I've kind of turned into a materials nerd in a way because <laughs> I researched everything um, from the fabrics themselves, but also even down to the zippers, the elastic that we use, the buttons, all the trims um, are eco-friendly or sustainable to a degree. And the packaging materials as well, I wanted to ensure that everything, everything could be either recycled or compostable. Um, Just because in the world of e-commerce, and that's what we are, we're a direct-to-consumer brand, we do not do wholesale, Um, just being mindful of the impact that we have even in shipping. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the core um, or the primary value of the brand. And then the second one would be size inclusivity. Um, We started out with just double extra small to 2XL. And then for our next collection, I'm extending it up to 4XL just to offer even more availability. Um, Plus I've gotten questions around it and there's excitement about it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like- Yeah, sustainable plus size is not (laughs) easy to find. (laughs) Exactly. And everybody deserves access to those types of clothes. Like they shouldn't just be made for one body type, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Cool. So- um, yeah, what were, what were some of the things, like you said, there's like excitement around the extended sizes. So my guess is you've done some, you know, heard feedback from customers. Um, but what were some of the things like in starting your brand or developing your styles or deciding what sizes to offer initially and, and now with the second collection? Um, what things have you done to kind of get feedback from customers or... Um, kind of do that, that re- market research? That's like a great question. Um, when I was just starting, it came from my experience as a consumer, but also looking at what was common within the sustainable fashion industry and really realizing that not a lot of places were going above an XL um, or below an extra small. And sometimes it would be even smaller than that. It'd be like small to large. And I totally get it, you know, because as a startup brand, your costs, and I'm sure you understand this too, Allison, um, your costs are dependent on how many times you grade something and then your yardage is impacted. Um, so there's a lot of considerations. Uh, we also- Just the inventory least, complexity. Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and in addition to that, I fit on two different sizes. Um, I have two different size samples that are sewn. I don't just, um, so one size, I check two. So -hmm. that's an additional consideration as well. Um, I'd say that was at the initial stage. And then now I've been able to get feedback from people who have tried on the products. Um, Also, I knew that I want, I knew from the get-go that I wanted to expand further once we could. Um, and the styles that I'm designing now for spring are also a little bit more casual and relaxed and fluid. So I knew that they'd be easier to kind of grade across the spectrum. Um, that said, I'm still fitting two different sizes and getting feedback that way. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to have the offering available. Um, 
because at the end of the day, <laughs> no one should feel like they can't go shopping for something at their size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that's great that you're, you are able to like test on multiple sizes, um, especially not, you know, it's, it's like you run into trouble if you're like fitting in an extra small and then you want to grade up so many sizes. So right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause like you really want to test it on the people that are going to be wearing it. So that's awesome. exactly. So I'm also curious, I saw on your site that you also want to like offer sustainable fashion, but a little bit more at an affordable price. So I'm curious how you balance those two, because I think the, the common, like what you commonly run into is it's either affordable or sustainable and not mm. both. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And there's a lot of considerations that go into this, you know, too. Um, and I acknowledge that our pricing on our current products, it's not necessarily as ideal as it could be. I'm hoping that someday when our brand grows, um, once you, I guess this is kind of part of the issue with the industry is you're kind of incentivized to order more, mm-hmm. uh, but the cost does go down a little bit, the more units that you purchase. Um, but I really wanted to stay true to the materials and then also fair pay for the, everybody that's involved. Um, we work with a manufacturer in Los Angeles that guarantees above minimum wage pay. Um, and honestly, I think that's what's deserved because making clothes is not easy work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's skilled. It's, it's, it's a skill. It is. Yeah, truly. Um, and something that we wear and cherish in our closets can have value. That said, um, yeah, I do want to make things a little bit more accessible than they even are right now. Um, one of the reasons that I'm doing just direct to consumer instead of wholesale is to provide that cost savings to the consumer. So instead of marking mm-hmm. up my product to the point where it would be in a traditional retail system, um, you, the cost that you see is actually, I'm just taking that cut back on profit because I feel like consumers should have the opportunity to purchase a product that's high quality and made here in the States and that's sustainable. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress and hopefully, um, over time we can even bring it back a little bit more. Um, but I do think there is education and kind of encouragement needed around understanding why something costs as much as it, as it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we shouldn't necessarily be paying the same price for a t-shirt as we would like a coffee or a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's like clo- clothing. And, and the sewers that make the clothes are undervalued in our society in general. Like, you know, why do we have the expectation that a shirt that we should be wearing many times it costs the same as, you know, the coffee we consume in an hour, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But exactly. yeah, it's like, that's the state of things right now. But yeah, I think there definitely needs to be more of an appreciation to like cherish our clothes and you know the work that goes into them absolutely and that's kind of the whole point of creating a sustainable closet too is figuring out how we can make those pieces last and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to buy something new um but making our if we do make an investment purchase so to say um, Mm -hmm. figuring out how we can extend its life and um either or put it into a reuse or a circular fashion program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw some things about that. I was looking at your website of 
um, some of the commitments that you have for Akala about, you know, moving towards more circular materials or recyclable or um, eco-friendly. So one of the things I want to ask you about is what, what are some of the new kind of like technologies or materials or processes that you're kind of watching and most excited about exploring <laughs> and implementing in your brand? Oh, there's so many. I want to figure out how we can get involved in it too. Unfortunately, um, we didn't have too much waste from our first collection, but still it's something I'm committed to building out in the near future. Um, there's a, I'm based in Seattle and there's a local company here called Evernew. And they are really pioneering um, just kind of the reuse and fibers and creating new materials out of existing fabrics. Um, so that's one thing I'm looking into. There's also the manufacturer that we currently work with in Los Angeles um, has advised me on a program where I can't remember the percentage of cotton off the top of my head, but if your fabric, I believe it's around 30% or so, maybe 40%. If you have a fabric that has at least that amount of cotton in it, it can be used in a recycling program. Um, they actually partner with a facility in Mexico um, where it can be used as insulation. So little things like that. Um, and then looking at the fibers themselves from the get-go, uh, a, a lot of my styles use 100% Tencel, which is biodegradable at the end of life. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, hopefully we're not putting everything in the trash, but worst case scenario, if it does end up in a landfill, um, then it will biodegrade over time in those conditions. Nice. Yeah, so it seems like a lot of it, it, a lot of the things you're like looking into and working on is concerning the fabric and materials of the pieces. Um, so I'm curious, like what qualities did you look for in your first collection and like do you look for now um, in the fabrics when you're, when you're picking out new fabrics for your styles? Yeah, in the first collection, really, um, again, kind of going back to those rose-colored glasses, um, it ended up being, it, it needed to be uh, as sustainable as I could get it, but it also needed to fit the design um, and the drape and the hand that we needed, as well as the durability and the quality. Um, and then at the end of the day, it was really up to the selection that I had, which was not that much. <laughs> um, however, now uh, in our second season, I've grown to kind of become acquainted with other suppliers uh, and I'm looking at the circularity of pieces and using 100% natural fibers if we can. If it has to be a synthetic material, my commitment for the brand is that we have everything shifted to a recycled synthetic. So for instance, polyester, if we have to have polyester in something that it's at mm -hmm. least recycled polyester, um, just really wanting to lessen the impact that we have on the materials that are used as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you made a, you made a good point about like the fabric not only has to, you know, feel nice and, and have the qualities or sustainable fibers that you're looking for, but also fit the design of your garments because like not every fabric <laughs> is going to look the yep. same as what you expect in your design I, I run into that a lot where it's like it, it varies so much like the fabric gives so much life and body to the design yeah. that it, it sometimes takes some tweaking and some playing around oh, yeah. with it to match up the right fabric to the right body I don't know uh, if we you definitely kind of had to 
Yeah, we had to pivot completely on one style. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll tell you which one it is too. Um, so the sweater dress was originally supposed to have a drawstring waist all the way around. Mm. The fabric just would not let it happen. Um, and I couldn't find anything else that was more sustainable, at least at the minimums that I could get. Um, so we took it out and I made the cord, I double, I made the cord like an accent piece instead. So I guess it worked out because now you can kind of put it wherever you want, but yeah, your fabric determines a lot in the design process. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I always recommend to people, it's like, look over fabrics like first, you know, like you have mm, to have yeah. some general, general idea of what you want to design, but like before you even finalize the design, like look at fabrics, cause that'll really inspire a lot. That's um, a great piece of advice for sure. Mm-hmm. And then you don't get like set on a design that you can't find a fabric for either. <laughs> yeah, that can be heartbreaking if that happens. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what does what does your design process look like? And, and what inspires kind of the silhouettes and the, the visuals of the brand? Like, you know, you talked a lot about kind of the values and the production side of things, but... Uh, let's more let's talk about the creative side of it I love it yeah I mean that's the part that well I mean I enjoy many process or many pieces of the process but (laughs) design (laughs) is my passion um so it really starts at kind of understanding what gaps may be um, within a closet Um, at least with the brand I wanted to provide pieces that again, you can wear year after year and it's not going to look like it was out of style. Um, and that also it can mix and match with things that you have going on. Mm-hmm. So for the first collection, um, I did five, well, I, I was going to say too many styles, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, I ended up doing five styles and one kind of from each category, I did a wrap top, um, a reversible sweater, a pant, a jumpsuit, and a dress, uh, just kind of making them all as classic as I could, but also giving them something a little bit more unique and modern. The approach did change a little bit with each of them, just kind of going through the design process, again, going through sourcing, what's available. The wrap top had some tweaks as well, just to make sure that we could get it fit across a couple different body types or get the ties to go two different ways. I wanted that flexibility. Um, So it's really trial and error, but for the next collection, I knew that I wanted pieces that were adjusting to the more casual lifestyles we're all kind of embracing or going through Mm -hmm. um, and having styles that are more fluid and flexible. I'm used to, I mean, again, I'm pregnant, so (laughs) I'm used to my maternity leggings and a top. Um, but also thinking about how that translates to the apparel that we wear outside of the home. And we're going to be used to comfort and really want that in our lives. Um, So that's where my designs are kind of starting that at a baseline. And then the fabric, the fabrics that I'm using, I've actually selected all of them, but one um, are kind of determining the final design and the fit just based off of how they drape and everything. Cool. Is there anything in particular that inspires you with the new collection or is more kind of the lifestyle and what people are living day to day? I'd say it's definitely driven more by lifestyle, but I am inspired a little bit more by textures and colors. You might see that a little bit in the first collection. Um, I love the colors that we were able to get. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
I, I really want things to be cohesive, especially if someone decides they want a couple pieces uh, that they can really put them together well. And also really wanting them to be warm and inviting. Uh, for spring, I'm actually going to be mixing in some subtle prints, which I'm really excited about. Um, I, again, it kind of comes back to what you can get in the market. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm very excited about the materials themselves. That's what's inspiring me. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to go a little bit back to some of the more production end, too. Um, mm -hmm. What was it like finding factories that aligned with your brand values and, you know, were willing to work with lower minimums? Um, was that kind of tricky to find, to kind of line up, like you've got the design, you've got the inspiration, you've got kind of the branding and, and all that done, but lining up the rest of the supply chain to match kind of the values and the vision of Akala. What was that journey like? Ooh, okay. Yeah, so with the factories um, and the suppliers, it, it took... Um, well, the first one that we found, I was able to talk to you over the phone. I was able to go visit in person. Again, this was all back in 2019, early 2020. Um, but then the subsequent ones that we worked with, it took actually, I was able to learn about them through referrals, uh, through some of the fabric reps that I work with. And um, the one that we're working with now was actually a referral of a friend of a friend uh, who also works oh, nice. in the industry. Um, but I ensured to have conversations with them before even working with them, just to make sure that they were aligned with the vision that we had for the brand, as well as the practices. Um, and I'm really excited with who we're working with now. They really promote um, not only sustainable practices, but they encourage fair workers' rights um, and are a supporter. I don't know if you're familiar with the SB 62 amendment mm -hmm. um, that's up in California. Trying to get, so, that's the one that's trying to get rid of piece rates, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the goals of that amendment is to really ensure that workers are paid a fair wage. And right now, a lot of them aren't paid even minimum wage. It's piece rate, which I'm sure you're familiar with. But if some mm -hmm. of the listeners don't know, it's basically how many quote, quote, pieces you complete within a given day, like how many seams you sew or how many collars you put on. Um, which isn't necessarily a fair representation of all the work that's being put in by these individuals. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, 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 it took a little bit of personal vetting and, and being in Seattle and being kind of remote, um, it was unfortunate that we haven't been able to visit in person, um, but I am really excited for when that does happen here again soon mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to go meet with them. Uh, from the supply chain side, the other part of your question, it, I was fortunate to meet a couple of the vendors that we're working with in person um, in California at the LA Textile okay. Market in, I want to say October 2019. Um, but the other ones that we've learned about have really all just been through virtual trade shows at this point um, mm -hmm. and online research. Well, that's great that you were able to like visit some of the places in person before everything shut down and then <laughs> still even while things are shut down being able to pivot and and still find like a new factory and stuff that um you work well with and that you can kind of get behind their practices and they can they can get behind what you're doing as well so I think that's such a key thing especially for sustainable like value driven brands is to kind of have that alignment 
you know, on all levels of the supply chain um, to kind of, you know, you can get referrals that way. And for like other places where they're like, hey, this is another really great fabric vendor that has sustainable options. Um, as well yeah, as just like a I, common understanding of like what you're working towards. Absolutely. And I think it just shows kind of the importance of um, how many of us are starting to ask for that in the industry. And I think that vendors are really responding to it. Um, I have some that I worked with on the first season and now the second season. And it, it feels like, I mean, I don't know their count exactly, but it feels like their sustainable materials have almost doubled <laughs> in the mm, last year. Nice. And it's great to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but I feel like in the past year, consumers too are more aware of and care more about how their clothes, I'm sure it's beyond clothes, but I more pay attention to the apparel industry, <laughs> um, how their clothes are made and what they're made of um, more than ever before. Like I think almost the situation with everything has made consumers just more, um, care more about like pause and really think about like who made this what's in it what am I putting on my body you know <laughs> what am yeah. I doing with my life all day um, so <laughs> you know what I'm saying like what do I really wear that's in my closet you know what what am I living in and then what things did I mm -hmm. buy and I'm never using um, it's like the existential closet <laughs> exactly yeah I think there's been a lot more like I've seen a lot more of that in the past year that and in some ways I think can really spur some good change in the industry. Yeah, I think everybody's just being really mindful about their purchases. Uh, like, what do I really need? Um, mm -hmm. What is going to sustain me for not just this current season, but after kind of things return to a new normal, so to say. And I've definitely, as a consumer, even outside of clothing, thought, okay, well, do I really need this? And how is this going to impact the planet? Um, mm -hmm. and how is it going to impact me as an individual? Will it have meaning for me? <laughs> yeah. Do thing. I care about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've done the same. And I think part of that is just like, it's so, um, on top of just being more aware of all how everything is connected and we're influenced by kind of the global state of people and the planet. Um, but just like the process to purchase and get delivered a new item is yeah. so much higher oh like I'm not just wandering the store anymore just like oh I might as well buy this like everything I buy I'm like thinking about for a while and then spending time like researching and then finding like where do I want to purchase this from and how do I want it delivered and like all like there's a lot more thought that goes into the purchase I think yeah there are definitely a lot of components I completely agree with you there especially as a mom to be, I feel it. Oh, I feel so guilty about how many shipments are coming to my house right now. Um, but it just kind of shows you at least with all the new stuff we've had to get just anticipation of having a newborn. And it really can show you how the everyday items in our household, whether it's apparel or not, um, can truly have an impact, not only in their shipping, but what you do with them after you're done with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, you kind of mentioned like you are about to have a baby and then you also have a day job. So I'm curious, like, how do you balance running Akala with your day job and with kind of like the rest of the things in your life? 
because I think that's another oh, aspect yeah. of like sustainable brands is like learning how to sustain yourself as a founder and sustain mm. your business within like the lifestyle that you want. That's a great call out. And especially as a brand owner, when you're by yourself, it does take a lot of self motivation and empowerment. Um, and really in normal times, you'd have a community, you might go network or meet up with other fellow entrepreneurs. Um, I actually do have a group that I meet up with on occasion, virtually, <laughs> mm-hmm. where we support each other. But it, it has been a lot to manage at times. I'm very fortunate and I feel very grateful to have a day job while I'm starting this up. Um, and I definitely don't take that for granted. I, I think if we were in a pre-COVID situation, I probably would be impacted more by the commute, <laughs> mm-hmm. taking up my time. Um, but fortunately, I have enough buffers now at the beginning and end of my day that I pretty much focus on Akala during those times or over my lunch break, answering some emails. And then the rest of the time, I'm focused on what I need to get done for work. And then, yeah, with expecting, we're really excited. Uh, it's our first child. And congratulations. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect, but we'll see. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful that I'll have maternity leave as well, which is another thing that I know is not necessarily a widespread offering here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I can't say it's all been easy. There have been many times where I have sat in my office at 9 30, 10, 11 p.m., and I have an 8 30 the next day, and I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but those days are only, you know, once in a while, um, fortunately. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. It's like sometimes you have to. You know, put in kind of the long hours starting a side business, but it sounds like it's something you're really passionate about and love doing. So that might, I, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that might sustain you a little bit too. It's, it's just the, like having this creative outlet of your brand. For sure. I know at least on weekends too, because my weekends are pretty much fully devoted to the business, which again, pre-COVID might've been more difficult because I would have wanted to socialize, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but now it's a very quick way to pass the time. I remember this last weekend, I was downstairs working on some things and four hours flew by in like an instant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's because it's something I'm really excited about. So Mm -hmm. um, there are the challenges, but there are the rewards as well. And I think that's what continues to drive me week after week. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I also would like to know, like, since you've worked in the industry for other brands, how is it different kind of being in the industry as your own boss and with Akala as opposed <laughs> to maybe working for a designer or in other aspects for another brand? There are still uh, probably similar considerations, uh, which I'm grateful to have experienced at a business level. Um, for instance, like how you price a product or understanding Mm -hmm. how to get something to market. Um, But it is great to have that ownership and kind of your own individual approach. Um, When you work at larger brands, there's always kind of like an overarching (laughs) um, like either policy or type of branding or type of look that you have to adhere to. Um, And for Akala, it's really where I want to take the brand, the mission that I have for it. Uh, At the end of the day, not necessarily all the styles can be 100% as creative as I would like them to be because they also need to be 
accessible and people need to be able to wear them um, across mm-hmm. multiple body types. So there is that to take into consideration. Um, but I do still get to be more creative than I would be um, at, at least from my experience at other locations um, where you're kind of tied to, okay, we need this many tops, this many bottoms, one needs to have buttons, one needs mm-hmm. to be in pl- one needs to be in plaid, like all these other things. Yeah, you um, have like the sales team <laughs> kind of driving what mm-hmm. is needed from the design team. Yep, yep, that does happen. Yeah, what's marketable, what's the pricing, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see how that would, like, there's some differences there that, you know, both good and bad, but a lot of overlap, but a lot of kind of more autonomy and maybe the need also for more focus. And you mentioned like self-motivation too, because you don't have yeah. somebody else telling you design a plaid top right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you need to turn out like, I don't know, there, there would be times I'd have to produce like 30 or 40 sketches at a time. And then we'd pick one. And now it's, now it's kind of more of a mindful process. I know the type of product that I want to make. And then I just kind of go through iterations on how to make it better Mm -hmm. and better. Yeah, for sure. So I have one more question for you, which is a question that I ask at the end of every interview, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Mm. One. One, yeah. (laughs) I'd probably say value. What value um, does the product have? Um, I think it's really important that we consider the items that we add to our closets and how they're meaningful to us, whether that is something, it may not be sustainable because it may not be accessible, um, whether it's sizing or pricing, but does it have value? Um, How was it made? Um, what's its history, what's its impact, what's its total value. Um, Mm -hmm. And just kind of evaluating clothes through that lens, because right now I feel like they're very disposable uh, or I can put it temporary, I guess, (laughs) like a temporary investment and not necessarily something you're going to wear for, you know, to one wedding and then never wear again. Yeah. Oh, that's a great example. <laughs> don't, mm-hmm. don't even get me started on wedding. Thank goodness for Rent the Runway now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would say consider the value of the pieces uh, in your closets. For I sure. love that. That was such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's really fun to hear like what people answer. And, you know, you'd think like there'd be a lot of repeats of the same thing, but no, everyone kind of has their different take on like what they, what they want their clothes to say, which is fun. Um, I love it. Yeah. This has been such a cool conversation and to hear more about your brand and your background. Um, where can people find more about you and Akala online? Yeah. Thank you, Allison. And thank you for all the thoughtful questions. Um, I really enjoyed talking about all the aspects with you. Okay. Uh, our brand can be found at acalaclothing.com. All of our social handles are also Acala Clothing. We're currently on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and I just opened a clubhouse. So nice. <laughs> you can find us there. I'm jealous of all you uh, iPhone users. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a definitely a new platform to try and figure out. But um, yeah, I'd love to connect. Send me a DM if you have any questions. Again, I'm the only person behind the brand, so I'll be responding. Nice. I will include links to all that in the show notes. 
thanks so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much, Allison. I really appreciated it. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.